Hi there, Nick here. Great to have you with us. Wherever you consume your racing podcasts, we're incredibly happy to have you, whether it's Spotify or Google or Apple or wherever. So many good ones. But have you tried the racing app? Because you can now get the Nick Luck Daily podcast every day on what is really your best resource and one-stop shop. Because not only can you get our podcast, you can also get some of the best advice from some of the top columnists in the game. Plus, and here's the good bit, you can get every race streamed and replayed absolutely free of charge. Free race replays, free live streaming, plus access to this podcast all in one place. And that one place is the racing app. Around 30,000 of you have figured this out already. I'd imagine once you've listened to this, there might be a few more. The Racing app. Download it now. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Wednesday, November the 22nd, grey but dry here in TW11. And coming up in a few moments' time, you'll be hearing from Willie Mullins. You feel the floodgates are about to open for Clasutton with all the big guns raring to go. Dan Skelton tells us why Protectorat is going to win the Betfair chase for the second consecutive year. Kathy Gannon reflects on the career of her great friend Hayley Turner, who's just passed the 1,000 winner milestone. Stephen Hillen on selling his beloved Via Sistina, probably for quite a lot of money at the Scepter Sessions in a couple of weeks' time. Ed Nicholson from Unibet talks about the new Veterans Series and, of course, J.A. McGrath, as is traditional on a Wednesday, brings you the beat from Hong Kong. But first of all, the beat from the rest of the world with Jane Mangan. Jane, what does the week hold for you? There's a lot to look forward to from the sales ring at Goffs tomorrow. I'm probably going to go up there Friday to see Alpha Centauri, Alpine Star, Raja Ampat, uh, that which is not all of those Name synonymous with the navy and light blue colours of the Nearcos family. Of course, that's taking centre stage this weekend uh, in the sales ring. I've come fresh off the back of Navin, having seen two fantastic beginners chases. And that's before I get into the Troy Town. You were particularly impressed with American Mike. I was impressed with Facile Vega and in the pocket. And a lot of com- a conversation about uh, Gordon Elliott's dominance over the last couple of weekends, particularly his dominance of the Troy Town Chase. Are we going to be seeing the exact same this weekend with a view to Willie Mullins, who has dominated the Morgiana Hurdle, winning it 12 times. The John Durkin is a race that he's made his own in the last couple of years. Only two years ago, he ran seven of the 10 runners. And looking at the entries, Nick, he could be doing something similar this weekend. Well, I've been on the phone to the master of Cliss Sutton and I began by saying to him, was it really this weekend he felt that things were starting to pick up a gear and the season proper was about to begin? Yes, they're just coming along nicely. Um, you know, the, the big race is coming up, so we're, uh, horses seem to be fine. And um, fingers crossed they just stay that way now for, for the rest of the, the season and we get going properly. I was reading in the paper today, you, you earmarked the John Durkin for Galapin des Champs from a long way out. What what appeals to you about it so much? Why was that the sort of perfect departure point for the season, two and a half miles? It's just, um, it's always a nice race. The, the the winter is always sort of, autumn is coming, winter bro- breaking in ground is usually nice. 
so and safe so I, I rather aim there and um, you know you're always sure of getting uh, nice conditions there and how is he seems fine seems fine and it, it, do you think he can run his his best race this weekend or is it is it is it a building block I hope it's only a building block and who might keep him company from Clasutton? Have you decided who's going to run? Because you've got loads of entries, and you've run multiples in this before. Most of, most of them will run because, you know, there are very few other options for them. And, and it's nice to get them out, and it leaves us free then for Christmas. They've moved the John Durkin back a week, which uh, I think is a big... It's a big... Well, it's better than what it used to be, because um, a week later you just... Uh, you're... Uh, it tightens up Christmas. It was sort of in the first week in December. And um, for those sort of chasers having their first run back, you know, they need a little bit more time after their first run, I think, to to get ready for the second run. So yeah, uh, we're happier where it is in the calendar, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, it might be better for racing more broadly. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific racing prospect. I mean, you if you run a horse like Blue Lord, you're giving Galapan des Champs quite a quite a decent test in terms of a, quite a pacey horse against him, aren't you? Yes, yeah, but you know, the, you're going to if you're going to run in Group One, Grade Ones, you're going to um, have that anyhow, you know. So all these all these um, uh, all these races are they're meant to be that way. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to seeing him. Looking forward to seeing State Man as well. He's going to be the runner in in the Morgiana uh, at the weekend. That's right. Yes. Yeah. He's in good shape. Did a nice little bit yesterday. And will Ampere pass weight? At the moment, he's going to wait. Um, probably for the Hatton's Grace, I imagine. Yeah. And I was just somebody was asking me at the weekend. They said, "Isn't it interesting that both these horses are staying staying over hurdles? Is it is it because you feel that's best for them, or that you're very well loaded in that two mile novice chase division?" No, the the decisions were made for the horse themselves. Nothing to do with their stable mates. Um, we were always happy to stay with statement over hurdles. And Imperial Pass was a toss of a coin. And I think you know when. Um, Simon and Isaac sat down together. They were happy to have a crack at the champion hurdle, and I was happy to uh, go along with that plan. So uh, that, that's really where where it came from. And, and of the two of them, if if I was to say which one do you think, if one if one of them's got a chance of taking Constitution Hill at some point, which of the two is the likelier to do so? Do you think? I, I think both of them have a have a good chance. Both of them. I mean, um, we probably have seen how good Statement is doing what he's doing. We haven't probably seen the best of Imperial Pass yet, uh, you know. But we can change things around, and you know, maybe hope for different results. Certainly, doing the same thing won't give us a different result. But you know, we can change things around with um, uh, and try different things. So we'll see. Okay. Um, how, how impressed were you with Fasal Vega at the weekend? I was very impressed with him. Very impressed. I liked the way he put distance between himself and the second horse from, from the last home. Really what he did from the last home was what impressed me rather than anything else. You, you do love this horse, don't you? I could talk to you about every horse in your yard and I always get the feeling that he's a bit of a teacher's pet. Yeah, he's... Um, you know, I, I think he has a huge engine and... Um, 
you know, hopefully uh, he'll, he'll go on and, and do uh, better over hurdles than he... Sorry, better over fences than he's done over hurdles, you know. Could be quite frightening. Um, and just finally, Willie, uh, Vauban, how's he come back from Australia? Uh, quite dead in himself, I think. Probably just been away so long, I think, wasn't good, you know, so uh, the long, the long, um, the long quarantine uh, didn't suit him. Um, so I'm basically on ice for the time being. That's it, yeah. Just give him a little break now and um, get him fresh and well again and then make another plan. You, you did mention going back over hurdles. Is that still a possibility? Uh, oh, it is, yeah, because because of uh, sort of blotting his copybook, he, he's going to probably get a run back over hurdles. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll get him, get him. We'll get him jumping out of his skin first, Alrighty. and then have a word, have a word with uh, Rich and see what, what he, you know, where he sits with the, the future plan as well. All right. Have you have you worked out how you're going to win it next year and with whom? Uh, we're we're, <laughs> we're dreaming again, anyhow. So we'll see see what happens. You're not going to leave this um, itch unscratched, are you? Well, you know, if we're lucky enough to have horses ready to go down again, we would. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, Vauban definitely needs another crack at it, all being well. And Absurd uh, could go down there. He could go down for one or two other races. Uh, he could go down for a shorter race and and still have a crack at the, have a run before the Melbourne Cup, maybe go on the long quarantine and, um, and then... Uh, have a run the shorter race and then finish up in the Melbourne Cup you know if, wow. if, but he'd have to qualify I think I'm not sure he how his uh, qualifications stand at the moment with his rating alrighty well you know he he he, he um, showed his liking for <clears throat> for uh, things down there I think Willie Mullins getting quite animated towards the end when we were talking about a return to to Australia he clearly he clearly needs to get that done at some point Jane Mangan is with me of course and was listening to all of that what were your key takeaways I think he's probably getting a little bit cold now that he's arrived back in Ireland and he's he's itching to get back to the sunnier climbs of Melbourne um first things first Vauban does it sound like he's a little bit regretting sending him over on the long quarantine maybe he's going to try something different with him next year is that fair to assume Poor old Boban, is he going to have to go back again? They're going to have to find something else to go, aren't they, surely? We'll see. He might take in um, some Group 1 races in Europe before then. Um, as for this weekend, it's it's refreshing to hear him possibly running a lot of runners in the John Durkin. He's done that in the past, um, and he says there's not a lot of options before Christmas for these horses. Well, maybe there isn't a lot of options if they only start back back in the last couple of days of November. Then you're straight in. To Christmas. So you mentioned uh, Martin Brassel is going to run faster or slow. You could have appreciated Asterian Falange, Blue Lord, uh, conflated possible. I don't know if he's going to run after running it down Royal. Farouk Delen came down at the first in the Troy Town uh, last week. That wasn't, he's not the most natural jumper anyway, and I don't think he had much of a sight of his fence. Do you remember him at Cheltenham? I think he was in the Brown Advisory, he came down two out when he wasn't completely out of it he's still an interesting horse Statler is is what he is and uh, maybe Mouse Morris will run a French Dynamite but it is all about Gallop and Champ looking forward to seeing him back 
And as you say, Willie Mullins is just kind of turning on the heat in the oven now and bringing everything to the boil. Yeah, I thought the most interesting part of that, although he was a bit non-committal, I, I just thought, I, I think he thinks he he could he, he's going to find a way of of getting Constitution Hill with with his two pronged attack, don't you? Don't you get the feeling he, that he he's got a plan? He has to believe it. He has to believe it. Now I've heard him do this with honeysuckle for a couple of years, and it never happened. And do I believe it's going to happen with Stateman and or Imperi Pass against Constitution Hill? I don't, but. He's he's Willie Mullins and he's going to give it a go. And they're never they're not for shying away from one horse. And we know what can happen in horse racing. Um, Imperi Pass, I think he's suggesting Hatton's Grace is the more likely option over two and a half to see him back. He could go there and I don't know what he's going to meet in Fairy House, but I, I, I this is Stateman's race, really. Gordon Elliott's got Irish Point and Pied Piper in there. Um yeah, I, I think this is a good place to start Stateman back and he's probably going to run a couple of the fillies as well, Astro Diamond and Echoes and Rain. Okay, good stuff. We're going to move on to what's happening in the UK this weekend and the Betfair Chase. Um, emblazoned all over the front of the racing post today, Dan Skelton uh, with Protectorat, uh, a horse uh, owned by Sir Alex Ferguson and Jed Mason. You heard from Jed on the podcast last week, speaking quite warmly about Protectorat's bid to win the Betfair Chase for the second consecutive year. Of course, we've been talking about Brave Man's game running in the race as well. Um, here's uh, how my conversation with Dan Skelton went this morning. All right, Dan Skelton has told me he's got two minutes, um, so I'm going to be as quick as I can. Is Protectorat going to win the Betfair Chase? Yes. By how far? Uh, that's irrelevant. Why are you so confident? Uh, I'm just really happy with the horse, and if you can't be confident in your own horse when you're seeing all positive things, and you know, don't forget we've got a great barometer because we won it last year. We know how he was going into the race last year and what he did, how we got to the point, and everything's gone beautifully this year. So, you know, I've got to go there full of confidence. I've got to go there thinking he'll win. And yes, of course, you know, at the eleventh hour things have been made a little more complicated by Brave Man's Games uh, appearance in the race, but. You know, I was still, you know, we will still run our race whether Brave Man's game is there or not. And I think when we run our best race fresh, I, I think we're we're a very formidable opponent for anyone. Uh, also, minor, uh, plus Brave Man's game, but minus Shishkin. So, you know. You... Exactly. Swings and roundabouts, that sport. Um, I think the ground will be very hard work, which, you know, we, we our, our horse is not a, you know, is not averse to. Um, and this has been his plan A, B, and C. So, you know, there's no, you know, this is we haven't changed anything that we're doing. We we've not switched. I'm not. I'm not talking. You know, I'm not sort of talking behind uh, behind a smokescreen here. Going, well, you know, you know, Paul's team have changed their mind and come to this race. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that we have, you know, never deviated from what we're doing. And you know, that is a great way to train a horse is is to know exactly what you're doing, where you're going, and then to have the uncontrollables in your favour, i.e. ground and things like that, is, is, is just a, it's just a bonus. Um, so we're very happy with where he is. Right, the sounds of time are ticking away. Just time for me to ask you one final question, which is, what do you think of this walkover today? You're going to collect the money, but do you think, as a general rule, races like this should just be scrapped at declaration stage? Um, I think there should be, uh, I think this should be discussed um, at the end of the day, our horse is ready to run and we want to run in this race. Um, is intention to run enough to warrant reward? I don't know if that's applicable uh, nowadays. Um, 
so I think it's something that needs to be discussed. But like, make no mistakes. We, you know, we weren't going there today. You know, and I'm sure that, that you know, Twistons wanted to turn up and have a run, and it's just how it's worked out. But should you, you know, if 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 something is programmed or something is set up and something is there, and then at the eleventh hour it can't be done for whatever reason, is that? is that just unfortunate and and you know you, you've got to pay the prize money and, and and i don't know it's it's you know it's a complicated thing you know i've never watched somebody else have a walk over and go well they don't deserve it from a uh, you know from a from a perspective of they've not been prepared for this day do you know what i mean you don't deserve to win and get reward if you don't go and put something up of course but you know the intention was you were going to run and perform and do your best so I don't know, it needs a bit more needs a bit more talking about. What I don't think is appropriate is that Pembroke has to go today and walk over. I think there should be an, an administrative, administrative situation where you can go, well, you've just won the race, you don't need to turn up, put the horse through, go in and the lorry, staff turn up, etc., etc. I think that's a little bit outdated. Um, but I'm sure it will be discussed more. I've had a minute and a half over my allocation, for which I'm very grateful. Good luck at the weekend. Cheers. All right, Dan Skelton there. Jane Mangan is with me. Jane, what did you make of, of Dan's comments, particularly as regards the walkover at Warwick today, of which he is the beneficiary? I don't disagree with his view that the horse probably shouldn't have to turn up. Um, look, a walkover is never satisfying. But, you know, if Pembroke and the Skeltons and the Aisbets are willing to run, I don't think the race should just be, you know, dissolved just because there's only one owner, because then the Aisbets, again, the owner, they get hit and they were there with the right intention to run. And it's through no fault of their own that it's turned into a non-event. Um, isn't it, isn't it more the, the argument? I mean, once you've got to walk over, you've got to walk over. Well, you know, not, not a lot you can do about it now, but isn't it more a question of nipping this in the bud earlier so that if you've got, so few horses declared at declaration stage you just punt the race into the long grass or if you've got very few initial entries you say right that's not happening that that money is better allocated elsewhere and if you're not going to come we're not going to put it on but that's not the fault of Pembroke's connections and that was their intention to run that's the the, the program they have mapped out and then you'll you'll scupper a horse's programme. Like this race was won by John Bond last year. I'm sure John Bond's race plan was mapped out well before Warwick, Edward Stone the year before. So uh, I, I I think you're then, um, you're penalising the person who had the right intention through no fault of their own. And where would Pembroke go then next? And, and I know you're going to say, well, he's not really having a race anyway, but he's going to get, He's just rewards. He's going to yeah. win a race. He's going to have the prize money. But it's not about the walkover per se. It's it's about whether when you when you're getting down to two, three, and four runners. So imagine this. Imagine this was a match. Okay, and and, and frame it that way. Okay, should should that have been got rid of because it's a two runner race? No, still a race. But it, it surely can't be good for the for anybody it's for not, the. For... It's, it's not good. But there's a lot of small fields. Like, would you say? The race in Down Royal two weeks ago should have been with between Ash Tree Meadow and Visionarian should have been a non-event. But I I don't know I just don't know how long this is sustainable. 
Um, it's no, it's not satisfying. It's actually embarrassing, and I I feel for Warwick and anybody who sponsors a race like that because it's not a good look. But I don't believe in penalising people who are genuinely there to be competitive. And if people aren't going to take them on, it's not it's not their fault. And yet they will they will be the ones that get penalised. I would be very against it, but I would think there's food for thought in Dan's suggestion that he shouldn't have to travel the horse to the races and bring the staff and actually incur expense for what is a farce. All right, let's move on and talk about Hayley Turner, who has finally got the thousand winners up. It's a momentous achievement and one I thought we would celebrate in the company of somebody who knows Hayley Turner extremely well and was uh, somebody who shared the weighing room with her for a long time and who has always um, earned maximum respect from Hayley as someone who really pushed her and spurred her career along in the early days. And that is Kathy Gannon. Um, Kathy, just g- give me a give me a taste of of your friendship with Hayley and, and what what this achievement means. It's absolutely amazing. Um, Hayley is a great friend of mine. We always had a little laugh, a little struggle there, a little like banter in the way room. We got each other going. If one got a win, every other one would get one going, you know. So she's great crack, good person. And when, when you were competing against one another, you know, to what to what extent did you did you sort of spur each other on? Because there weren't so many female riders then riding at a high level, and you you guys were. No, well, like as I said, she'd get a winner, and I'd be like, have to say well done to her, like kill me, like. But um, we were good friends in the end. The both of us were the same, kind of. You know, it's just like uh, rivalry, kind of. Not you know, in a in a different way. You'd be delighted, but then again, you'd be saying, "Geez, I wish that was me." You know, yeah, the winners in that, but um. She was always good crack and always took the banter. You know, you could say that to her and she she was well able for it. Uh, she was a great rider. You know, I obviously watched her when I started. Uh, both was kind of started together. And then obviously she was me, uh, competi- uh, me opposition kind of. That's what I felt like at the time. So only met, wasn't many of us, but, uh, but uh, she's one in a million, you know, person-wise, rider. You know, she has respect for... Um, for our, our racing colleagues and you know she's uh she's a good girl all around and i i think the word ambassador is overused but she's a very good spokesperson for the sport no doubt yeah yeah um yeah we'd always have the banter uh, i'd always call her Haley the head turner you know so um i'm actually delighted for her even though i wish it was me <laughs> <laughs> but no i am delighted for her um i mean it's a big achievement for any male or female to do and then oh. um, as i said it's great for and hope to give her a boost now for, you know, keep her going. Um, it's great watching her there last night, Natalia and her family and all there. You know, it means everything to them. You know, riding winners and that and getting achievements and breaking records. Um, as I say, I'm just, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. And just finally, Cathy, what is it, do you think, about her temperament that has sustained this career? Because it's one thing to be good. It's another thing to, to last and keep being good. Well, they have to be driven. Um, there's kids now these days, you know, not like before, you know, they think the jockeys win their five-pound claimers, you know. Um, years ago, when we were riding, me and Hayley, we'd be, you know, we talk about it, he'd be in work early, he'd be there. Even when I was a pres- professional jockey, we're still walking long hours, you know, and, and helping out in the yards and that. It's just, it's just in, in, in Hayley, you know, to stay there and keep going. I know she retired a couple of times and, well, once and then got back to it and you know she did very well and um it's it's not an easy job i wish i was right now still you know um it's long old hard to go on and fair play to her for keep going 
Um, Benjamin Button, as I say, I'll call her. <laughs> Sounds like you might make a comeback from what you're saying. I'd love to, to be honest. Um, I would have did really well in them uh, Royal Ascot Bar meetings, you know, and uh, especially when you're only confined to one meeting a day, I'd love to be able to, to come back and, and write a few winners. But uh, I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> I'm delighted for her and hopefully she had a nice celebration with her family and hopefully she keeps kicking on. Cathy Gannon there. Jane Mangan's still with me. Um, she's pretty modest, Hayley Turner, but she's achieved a, a remarkable amount over a long period of time. She has indeed. It's been uh, a long time since Generate won a Class 6 Apprentice Handicapper Pontefract back in the year 2000. And uh, it's been a goal. She set herself quite a long way out. She's um, conquered Group 1s. She's the first woman to ride 100 winners in a season. And she did it when nobody else was doing numbers like that. So it's only fitting that she's the first uh, female rider to to reach this milestone, I hope. And I believe that it will be reached in the future. But, you know, she has done marvellous things for the sport. I really believe that because if you can't see it, you can't be it or believe that you can be it. And now the fact that we have very strong, um, polished, respected female riders at all levels of the flat game, I'd say there's more plenty. It's more plentiful on the flat than National Hunt. Um, a lot of that is down to her, and you know she she speaks, as you say, she's very modest. But I don't think any of us are under any illusions as to the positive impact she's had on British racing. Jane, you mentioned the sales at the beginning of the the show. I'm heading to to Goffs on Friday to cover the uh, Niarcos family draft, which could be one of the most exciting days in a, in a sale ring for for many moons. I suspect. Obviously, we've had breeding stock uh, in Goffs this week. Uh, the progeny, particularly of Earthlight, seem to be going very well indeed. The son of Shamadal, uh, trained in France, of course. And uh, what are your overall observations of trade? It's it's quite encouraging. I suppose I came off the back of, I was chatting to you last when I was sat in uh, Tatterstalls, Ireland for the National Hunt sale. And uh, I was a little bit disillusioned, if I'm honest, um, with the polarisation of the market and the weakness aside from two stallions. Uh, the flat game is a more vibrant, uh, healthier situation. They're nearly on par with with last season's figures. Uh, Gayath topped the sale yesterday with a 200 grand fall from Milltown House. A great result for them. And there's a variety of stallions featuring uh, at the top of the the fall table. Today is typically the strongest day of the of the fall. So let's see what that brings. Um, all the leading buyers seem to be at uh, at the NACE grounds. And uh, as you mentioned, in terms of the breeding stock, of course, it's headlined by the Niarcos family draft with their like impeccably bred mares. Um, but there's some all, also some other uh, very eye-catching lots, such as Matilda Picot as well, who is sold as I suppose a breeding stock option and also a racing option. So um, there's some there's some marvelous mares coming up at the scepter sessions in in Park Paddocks in December. But uh, goths are going to make some headlines, I'd imagine, over the next couple of days, because from what I'm hearing, I haven't been there yet. I will hopefully get there by the end of the week. Um, there is uh, top buyers, top names after coming from all over the world, descended on Kildare Paddocks for a piece of the action. All right. With me yesterday, we spoke to David Blunt, the owner and breeder of Poptronic, who's headed for the Scepter Sessions at Tattersall's Tuesday the 5th. 
Uh, likewise, Via Sestina, Group 1 winner this season, of course, and second in the uh, Kipco Champion Stakes. Uh, she is going to be a big draw, and her owner, Stephen Hillen, is with us now. Uh, Stephen, we documented this story um, quite extensively, how you've turned 5,000 into many multiples of that. How are you going to feel when she goes through the ring? Oh, it'll be it'll be a sad day, really, because she's been, um, especially this year, you know, she's last year she won a Group 3. This year she's gone to, like great great new heights and it will be it will be a sad day for Becky and myself no doubt you take me back to the first moment you thought hang on I might be onto something here I think um, when she was broke uh, Jamie McGee who broke her in um, really liked her he said that at the time that group and he had quite he'd, he'd break in probably a hundred a year for some big trainers and he said that this one seemed to get up the hill in Lambourne easier than anything else but then you know you hear all this stuff and um, so but the first day when she beat Frankel's sister at Goodwood on her second start that was the day that you thought there might be something there So how then did you resist what must have been offers coming in because you know you're you're a guy who's who's hardened to the business. If if something comes along that is that is tempting and you're going to turn a profit, you you surely go well. Fine, that's me done. I've I've done my job. So it's sort of an elaborate game of kind of of dare, really, and it's it's worked out brilliantly. Yeah, you know, we had a similar filly, um, not similar, but she was by Pivotal a few years ago called Hagel. Um, you know, we turned down a few offers for her, and eventually she went to the sales and in, uh, in Arcana and made a lot of money. Um, you know, there have been offers for Via Sestina, but I just kept thinking um, that there was more to come um, because, of, you know, she's 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 a, a big girl. Um, she's obviously got that pedigree that Fastnet Rock, Galileo Cross, that gets better with age. And, um, you know, at each juncture, um, I thought, you know, especially after her first run, you thought she's definitely going to win a Group One. Um, and her first run this year, I mean, at, at Newmarket. And you know, you're raising for a lot of money, and you've got to. Um, I think you've got to be sensible and realise how much money you're running for. Um, and races like the Champion Stakes, and you know those other big Group Ones. You know, the prize money's very good in Europe for for for, for those horses. So, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't a decision taken lightly to turn down offers, but I think it was sensible. Okay. And to what extent do you do you protect her when she she goes into the ring, or do you just think, well, th- there's going to be plenty of people who want her. I'll see what happens. I think you just got to see what happens. You know, the the markets seem to be, you know, there seems to be a a correction um, going on at present, probably about fifteen percent. Um, so. You know, we just have to gauge what interest there is. Um, ideally, um, you know, if someone came along and said, you know, she's a valuable proposition. Um, if someone came along and um, and um, wanted us to stay in for a piece, we would be quite open to that. Yeah, because there's a little bit of you, isn't there, that that doesn't want quite want to fully let go. Yeah, yeah, you know, but. Uh, you know, I am sort. Of, you know, you try to be um, sensible um, about the about the whole thing, um, but 
you know, we are, you know, it's been the best horse we've had. And, um, you know, we're, we're pretty attached to her. Uh, unsurprisingly. Wish you all the best, Stephen. Thanks so much. Thank you, Nick. Bye-bye. Stephen Hill and there. Best of luck to him and his wife, Becky, as they sell via Sistina at the Scepter Sessions at Tattersall's. Right, we're off to Hong Kong. Here's J.A. McGrath. Nick, great news that Highfield Princess heads a list of 49 invitees to the world-famous Hong Kong International Races, or HKIR, as they're known locally, which is scheduled to take place at Cha Tin on Sunday the 10th of December. Highfield Princess, winner of four Group 1s, and wasn't she superb in the Abbey in Paris? That's great interest for British flat fans so late in the year as she takes on the local stars Lucky Swayness and Wellington. The four international races, all on turf, carry total prize money of just shy of £12 million. Not to be sneezed at. The seven countries represented on the invitation list are Britain, France, Ireland, Japan, Singapore, America. Christophe Clement has one there, as well as the host Hong Kong, of course. The draw card is local champion Golden 60, who attempts a third consecutive win in the Hong Kong Mile. Hasn't run this season. He goes into the race fresh, but his barrier trials have been very good. And he'll uh, face two interesting Japanese challengers in Namur, who won the Group 1 Mile Championship in Kyoto recently, and Serafos, who won that same race last year and was runner-up this year to Songline in the Group 1 Yasuda Kinnan. Just picking the eyes out of the other internationals, Aidan O'Brien, a great supporter of this meeting over the years, has Luxembourg to take his place against a Romantic Warrior in the Hong Kong Cup. And he's also got Warm Heart in the Vars, which is also the target of major Japanese contender Shiraya, their derby winner, and also the uh, Jibai Shima Classic winner. So that's something to look forward to on uh, December the 10th at Sha Tin. That's next month. But today we've got eight races at Happy Valley. It's uh, a pretty uh, a pretty challenging meeting in many ways, but I think the horse we should be following is in race six, number six, Golden Rise. Only his second run today, um, but he's trained by John Size, whose uh, team have really hit top form lately. He had a four-timer at Chartin last Sunday. Zach Purton steps forward to take the rise on uh, ride on Golden Rise, and I think he'll go in. So race six, number six, Golden Rise, take him in a tote swinger with number five, high percentage. And looking for another one later in the day, in race eight, number ten, Denfield. Disappointed last time, but I think it's worth another chance in this finale, the group, the Class 3 race over six furlongs to be ridden by Vincent Ho. That's all on the Hong Kong Beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. So the observant among you may have noticed that we are now part way through a new series of races here in Britain over jumps. Uh, and they are the Middle Distance Veteran Chase Series, offering an opportunity for older horses who may be lacking those opportunities in the in the normal way of things. And this has been sponsored by Unibet, whose Ed Nicholson is with me now. Ed, just explain from from your point of view, both as a as a fan and a bookmaker, why races like this work for you. Well, we sponsor the final of the Veterans Chase Series at Sir Sandown, which has proved very popular. Um, we've been doing that for the last five years and um, we notice an increase in the standard of the horses, the number of horses, the average kind of open rating as well, handicap rating. Um, and we just thought, well, there might be an opportunity for another type of race. 
um, for what was now called middle distance, but we originally hoped it would be two miles and two and a half miles. So I approached uh, the Jockey Club and um, the BHA just to kind of do some investigation as to whether there'd be a, enough of a horse population to actually have a series. Um, why it's important? Well, they, they tend to come back year after year, and when they get to 10, 11 or 12, there's less chance for these class horses to win races. And having spoken to many owners like Johnny De La Haye and trainers like Joe Chizard and Nicky Henderson, they really thought there was a need for these races. Kerry Lee also indicated that she'd be running a few of her older horses in these races. Um, and it, it enables them to have a chance of winning a big pot. There's over £340,000 up for grabs uh, among the seven races. Um, and for, for 10, 11, 12-year-olds, it just gives them another chance, another day to uh, to shine in, in the sun. And, and more importantly, or as importantly, I should say, um, good turnover. These races attract the punters. It's very keen to get the races on ITV as much as possible um, because that's the recreational punter and, and they are looking at these races on a regular basis. And they have tend to follow these horses for... For, for years, uh, and we've noticed in the in the veteran staying chase series that uh, turnover does increase when when you do know these horses and you know the jockeys and trainers and and you can see them on on TV. And so your field sizes are are quite good, uh, thereby enhancing the the turnover. Sometimes when you when you increase the specificity of the race conditions, you actually get a you actually get a deeper field rather than a rather than a narrow one. Is that what you're finding? Well, we, we hope to do that. One of the reasons why I'm very keen and, and very happy to be on your podcast today is I wanted to alert owners and trainers to the opportunity of these races. This is the first year. We've had one race already of a seven-race first-year series. But we've signed a five-year deal uh, for these Unibet middle-distance veteran chases. And I'm very keen that owners and trainers and connections understand that there's a great opportunity here for these type of horses t- to earn some decent prize money, um, especially ahead of the, the next race, which is the 15th of December at Cheltenham, which will be live on ITV. Um, it's a £50,000 uh, prize money, I understand, um, which is one of the, the higher ones. Um, and there, you know, at the moment, the first race only attracted six runners, but that mm. was the, um, the the first race of the series, and it was the, the lowest uh, prize money at Campton. So I'm just keen to kind of get the message out that there is a, a great deal of opportunity here for the horses. And about your field sizes, yes, looking at the field sizes for the, the veteran stayers that we sponsor at um at Sandown, the, the runners' size has been 17, 14, 18, um, and it is deep. And you know the ratings of these horses have gone up from. I mean, Halpern Diego won the first race we sponsored back in 2019. He's rated 125. Wishing and hoping won their stat. The, the stayers chase there, the veteran stayers chase, rated 139. So the standard of these horses is getting higher as well, which is great to see. Ed, thanks so much for your time. I wish you all the best with it. Thank you very much. All right, thank you to all my guests today. Jane Mangan is still with me and has a tip for you. And we're off to the Maiden in Dundalk at 4.05, where I think Cross Border has his opportunity to break that Maiden tag. He's a number of place efforts to his name for Eddie Lynham and Billy Lee. And I think at 4.05, the six furlong Maiden, it's made for Cross Border. All right, thank you very much, Jane. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. But for the moment, that was Wednesday, November the 22nd. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.